Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. San Francisco Chinatown, they would block off the streets and do the lion dances and the whole shebang. And we didn't have that in the burbs. We just stayed and had family dinners. We tried to do things like clean the house before the new year, go get haircuts, what people would do back in the old country. I also went to Chinese school on weekends and I remember having celebrations there, but I felt like I was living a secret life. I grew up in a time and place where we didn't want to wear our Asian-ness on our sleeve. We would just take whatever weekend New Year's fell on and celebrate the heck out of it. But I would go back to school and never mention it. It was interesting seeing Chinese New Year from different lenses. Personally, I always found it really embarrassing when people would be like, Gong hai fa choy, gong hai fa choy. And as a Mandarin speaking mainlander, I had no idea what that meant. <laughs> so during Lunar New Year, there's a lot of different things that you're supposed to say to your parents or your elders. And we'd always wish them So those are all like proverbs to tell them, I hope you live a prosperous life. I hope the things that you wish for come true. I hope you stay healthy throughout the new year. Welcome to Modern Minorities. This is the show about work and life told through the lens of what makes each of us different. I'm Sharon Lee Tony, a Chinese-American girl born and raised in New York City. And I'm Roman Segal, an Indian-American boy who came from Alabama with a banjo on my knee. Through conversations with some really interesting people, we uncover the stories, perspectives, and often unspoken truths about how our guests uniquely experience the world. It doesn't matter where you're from, the color of your skin, or who you love. We're all minorities somehow, but we're no one's model minority. This is a show about all of you, for all of us. Hey, Raman. Hey, Sharon. So, it's that time of year again. Uh, geez, Sharon, um, Miss Marvel's release date actually got pushed back, so Kamala Khan won't be on Disney Plus till summer 2022. No, silly. It's that time of year again. Yeah, dude. American-born <laughs> Chinese, uh, Disney Plus, uh, their release date for that hasn't been announced yet, so I think Jean Lun Yang just announced casting, so sorry. Dude, come on! What? Give me a hint. Gong Shi Fa Chai, or in Cantonese, Gong Hei Fa Choi. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, because I didn't know how to pronounce it either of those words. <laughs> uh, uh, it's close enough. So for our listeners, in Mandarin, Gongshi Fa Chai means I wish you good fortune. It's a common greeting for Chinese New Year. Uh, Sharon. Yeah, what's up, Raman? I've been told by expert sources that it is technically not the Chinese New Year, but the Lunar New Year. Well, technically, you are right, although you literally forgot about that holiday five minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? Uh, look, okay, this is a big deal because you know how like Santa Claus took over Christmas? I think calling it Chinese New Year is kind of the same thing. Wait, what? I mean, beyond the obvious red hat thing? Well, look, okay, there are more Chinese people who do celebrate the Lunar New Year, so that's why we commonly call it Chinese New Year's in the West, but... The Lunar New Year's is actually a special time for family and friends among many Asian cultures, including Vietnam and Korea. 
All right, Mr. Wikipedia, we appreciate your correction. Like I said, I have smarter friends than me. So I say we should invite them along. What's up, Ryan? Hello, everyone. <laughs> oh, I get it. This is supposed to be another one of our very special episodes of Modern Minorities, where we invite some of our favorite guests to talk about big ethnic holidays. Yes, big ethnic <laughs> holidays. <laughs> Nothing problematic about that statement. Um, exactly. And I figure we should bring back our pal, actor and producer Brian Yang, who happens to be the number one Asian Hollow Notes fan in the world. Whoa, 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 whoa. You could drop the Asian. I'm just flat out number one Hollow Notes fan. Fair point. I will allow it. Ooh, let me try. Hmm. Hey, Lucia. Hey there. Well, it's friend of the pod and fellow Asian podcaster, Lucia Liu, who hosts both Rock the Boat and her new show, Bund to Brooklyn. Oh, rad. So uh, I think we've got a quorum then. I mean, I know it is Chinese New Year's, but... Lunar New Year. Right, right. Lunar New Year's. (laughs) But why do I feel a little bit outnumbered by you people? Um, Excuse me, Roman. You people? (laughs) You're part of us, right? (laughs) Uh, I meant really smart and attractive media personalities. Oh, nice, nice. Good save, Roman. Good save. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Sharon, how's this going to work? Well, last year, you were trying to figure out what to do for your Lunar New Year's for your half-Chinese daughter. And how did that work out for you? So many red envelopes. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, but did you learn or do anything different? I explained what all the red envelopes were for. Okay. Okay. And that's pretty ridiculous, but okay, guys. Well, this little chat with our esteemed guests is to learn a little more about this auspicious occasion by sharing stories and traditions of how folks celebrate the Lunar New Year. So Brian, what do you remember about celebrating Lunar New Year's as a kid? Well, when you're a kid, as you guys just alluded to, the only thing that mattered was the red envelope. I knew it. I knew it. (laughs) See, Hongbao, as we say in Mandarin. Uh, Yeah. Are you kidding me? Like that, when that thing would pop up, because we'd go to these large family gatherings and your aunties, your grandparents, like strangers who are older than you, there's like a rule of who has to give the red envelope. You'd make out like a bandit. So Yeah. When you're a kid, I have to admit, I was no longer a kid still getting red envelopes at Lunar New Year gatherings well into my young adult life. Did it ever get competitive? Like, did you compare with your cousins or other people? I compare with my sisters, yeah. And then when you'd open up a red envelope and sometimes it'd be like, Honestly, like someone would give you $2 and you'd be like... Oh, was it a $2 bill? Because that's good luck. Uh, yeah, that would have been... No, I never got a $2 bill. That would have been pretty cool. But yeah, it, it, it would range from like a crispy $100 bill to like, honestly, a couple singles. And you would take note like, mm, all right, I'll remember this next year. You, you ran in some pretty wealthy circles then because I... <laughs> Don't even think as a child I got a crispy hundred dollar bill, or if I did, my parents probably like took those away first and only gave us <laughs> the five dollar bills. <laughs> they, they they may have. You better go. Uh, you better go ask them. I better go. Yeah, go go recoup all my losses from my childhood. <laughs> all right, Lucia, what about you? Because you grew up all over. I mean, how did you and your family celebrate the Lunar New Year? And did it vary with the different Chinese communities that you would roll with around the country and around the world? <laughs> yeah, I mean, sort of to your point, Remen, like I grew up all over as in I came to the States when I was three and then I 
lived in six different states while I was in the U.S. and then went back to Shanghai for high school. So stayed in Shanghai for four years before coming back to the United States for college. So it was interesting seeing Chinese New Year from different lenses as like an Asian American. Personally, I always found it really embarrassing during the time of the year when people would be like, "Gong hei fa choi, gong hei fa choi," and like as a Mandarin speaking mainlander, I had no idea what that meant. <laughs> uh, now. Now that I've married my Cantonese and uh, Hong Kong husband, you know, it's something we say all the time. But oh wait, um, but the, but I thought the Mandarin Cantonese pronunciation, while different, it's close enough. But or is there a different Mandarin, uh, different Cantonese one? Uh no, it's like Gong Xi Fa Cai and Gong Hei Fa Choi is like similar, but like Cantonese and Mandarin are so different. There's no way. To be able to understand Cantonese if you speak Mandarin, yeah. and like during Chinese New Year, usually you also lunar, say a lot lunar of- New Year. <laughs> <laughs> during Lunar New Year, thank you, Roman. Um, <laughs> so I mean, it's only Lunar New Year when you're in America, and then it's Chinese New Year when you're in China. You know. Um, So during Lunar New Year, right, like I don't know across other cultures, but at least for Chinese people, there's a lot of different things that you're supposed to say to your parents or your elders. So back when I lived in the States, we would always call my grandparents and then we'd always wish them 身体健康龙马精神吉祥如意 So those are all like proverbs <laughs> to tell them, I hope you live a prosperous life. I hope the things that you wish for come true. I hope you stay healthy throughout the new year. Like those are all types of wishes that you would give to your elders. And of course, obviously, red envelopes are fun, but I always only receive them from my parents. <laughs> And so I would only get red envelopes from my parents, or maybe sometimes, like if our relatives visit, I would get red envelopes. And usually, it comes with new money. So like money that's like freshly printed, and、mm. that are so my parents would always be really proud because they'll usually get like a hundred dollars or so in in twenty dollar bills, and、uh, the money will like have serial numbers <laughs> that are consecutive, <laughs> and they're like super proud of the fact that it's like new money because like no four no fours on the numbers right. <laughs> I don't know if they like look at that specifically, but like the whole point of Lunar New Year, at least for Chinese people, it's like everything needs to be new. Like you're not actually allowed to wash your hair in the first three days of the new year. You're not allowed to clean in the first three days of the, like technically the first fifteen days of the new year. And then there's like all these traditions. Once I went back to China and actually learned about all these different traditions, and then I learned that in Hong Kong there's even more traditions. And I think it's because in the mainland we've experienced the Cultural Revolution, and so a lot of these traditions got wiped away. Versus、mm. in Hong Kong, they kept a lot of really traditional things like lion dances and etc. Well, I'm curious when you were bouncing around the states as a little girl.、Um, I mean, I stayed in the rural South where there weren't a lot of Asians, but there was like a tight knit community of uncles and aunties. So for Indian holidays, we did stuff, and I knew there was a Chinese crowd, there was a Thai crowd, etc. But did you guys attach to different local Chinese communities? Were there bigger in some towns than others? And as a community, was there a celebration of the New Year? Um, I think it depends, but yeah, like the. First community that we belonged to was actually in Ohio, where my dad went to school to get his PhD, and 
a lot of his classmates would come over to our place. Like my mom would cook up a storm and she would make so many dishes. And I always remember New Year's being this time where the kids have the kids table, you know, and then the adults have the adults (laughs) table and they play Chinese bridge up until like 3 a.m. in the morning. And then like the kids run around and like, you know. um, Pizza and video games. Yeah, exactly. Like we eat food and then we play different games and just like run around. Uh, Oddly enough, it wasn't until I moved to Jersey that there were a good number of Asian people in my school. But oddly enough, they would celebrate Lunar New Year and they would try to teach people like, oh, gong hui fa chua and all that stuff. And people would make fun of the word, (laughs) right? And that maybe because I was a little bit older then, it was middle school and like kids are trying to like fit in. But the community there, I went to Chinese school while I was in Jersey. And so for Lunar New Year, sometimes we'll have a celebration at the Chinese school. But I don't think we've ever really blended into local communities of Chinese people because we've moved around so much and we never really got to know the community well enough. And then my extended family, like my cousins, uh, my uncles and aunts, they lived all over. And some of them moved to Hong Kong for a stint. The others were in Atlanta. And so we would see them rarely. So I just remember growing up not fully appreciating Lunar New Year until I moved to China. Interesting. And related to moving, I think something I've reflected on recently is the differences in how, even here in the US, Chinese New Year, Lunar New Year, apologize, but in my head, it's Chinese New Year, is celebrated because I grew up in New York, in Chinatown, New York, for my whole life. And then it was primarily lion dances and all of the restaurants coming out and folks just kind of being in and out of different buildings and visiting family and having dim sum together. And it's so alive. And my experience here in LA, maybe because of COVID, so I've only been through one lunar Chinese New Year here, was really different. And so Brian, I actually have a question for you, being that you're a native Californian. What are some Chinese American traditions that you either still participate in or that you grew up with? here on the West Coast. Yeah, it's so interesting. First of all, I, I want to go back to Alicia. You said Chinese bridge. Do you mean Mahjong? No, um, <laughs> we are, <laughs> it's not it's not Mahjong, but I understand what you're talking about. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. I, like, I actually... <laughs> Explain, I actually did explain not, to the rest of us. <laughs> I actually did not learn mahjong until I met my husband and his family taught me how to play mahjong. But in my family, we played dou di zhu. <laughs> it's this like form of kind of like big two but a bit more complicated and then we also played um it's called tractor (laughs) and it's like this like chinese form of bridge where you team up with the other person across from you and then you win points by winning tricks and these are year-round games right these aren't like chinese lunar new year uh games are they (laughs) No, no, no. They're year okay. round. You can play. Okay. Yeah. So whenever our family gets together, that's what we play. We don't play mahjong. <laughs> we, play, <laughs> we play tractor and we play the definition is um, fighting the landlord. Of course it is. <laughs> wow. <The> direct <laughs> translation. <laughs> Sounds like the predecessor to Clash of Clans or something. <laughs> but no, seriously, Brian, like when I go visit my family in California, again, they're Indian, but there's this massive South Asian community. So when you go to weddings or Diwali celebrations, it is just 
massive community celebrations beyond just the families, right? And mm-hmm. did you see that in Northern California and Southern California where you spent most of your life? Yeah. So it was interesting. I, I feel like the experience of Lunar New Year is depending on where you grow up, but so different. I remember as a kid, we had large family gatherings. I grew up in a suburb of San Jose called Cupertino, but I would say my formative years were really in San Jose, which is a pretty large place where there's lots of immigrant, Chinese American, Taiwanese American families, Asian Americans in general. And I was always so jealous of city kids, like San Francisco, namely, because we're just about 45 minutes to an hour outside of it. And San Francisco Chinatown was similar to Sharon's experience of New York, where, you know, because you have these densely populated Chinatowns where you have associations and the different clubs and groups that they would walk off the streets and do the, the lion dances and the whole shebang. And we didn't have that in the burbs, like in the burbs because my parents didn't want to drive up to San Francisco and deal with all the traffic and everything. We just stayed and had like family dinners and we tried to follow it to a T do things like clean the house before the new year, go get haircuts to sort of mimic what people would do back in the old country, if you will. And so I also went to Chinese school on weekends and I remember having celebrations there with the class. And so we would do what we could for that day. And I felt like I was living a secret life because at that age, when you're sort of like, you know, I grew up in a time and place where we didn't want to wear our Asianness on our sleeve, right? Mm. I, even though we had a very diverse community, it wasn't like it is today. Today, you know, Northern California, the Bay Area, particularly where my parents live in Cupertino, it is super Asian, super Chinese. You pretty much feel like you're walking into It's like the new San Gabriel Valley, for those who are familiar with LA, the new Chinese area. But I remember we would just take one day a year, whatever weekend New Year's fell on and celebrate the heck out of it. But I would go back to school the following Monday and never mention it or talk about it with with my friends or or classmates, right? It's like a secret identity, isn't it? It's totally a secret identity. And, And now, I don't know if you guys are aware, but today, and this was, this actually was several years ago. California passed a state law where schools had to recognize Lunar New Year. Yeah, it's observed it's observed in New York City too now, isn't it, Sharon? Yeah, yeah, it's a New York thing now too. Okay, yeah. It's amazing. It's now been pronounced where I know in San Francisco, schools get the day off. It's to that degree now. It's, That's incredible. It's a different, yeah, it's a different time now. But I didn't grow up in, in that era, but... Well, there's two uh, angles yeah, to it, right? Because there's like, one, cultural awareness. Like I know about all the Jewish holidays because right. everyone gets off of work. But as a kid, <laughs> I hate to say it, you're kind of bribing kids into cultural understanding. Like, hey, this is awesome. We get this day off. Thanks, Chinese people. Or thanks, <laughs> East Asian people. Like, <laughs> That's great, man. Hearts and minds at a young age. You're welcome. <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> I know for me, as I think about Lunar New Year and and my own relationship with it, there's a clear milestone for us, right? Especially as it relates to red envelopes. So up until you become an adult, and I say that with air quotes. So like (laughs) kids kids get red envelopes, but how it's defined is it's the unmarried people who get red envelopes and the married people all give red envelopes. And it was always really interesting for me to be into my early 30s and unmarried (laughs) (laughs) prior to me being married. And 
Did the aunties like, give you like a passive aggressive note yes, with like a picture yes. of their nephew or something? Well, basically I got like the, you know, Brian was talking about like the $2 lices and stuff like that. Like at that point when you're like 25, they're just sick and tired of giving you real money, right? <laughs> so I'm collecting like a dollar here and a dollar there. And then yes, lots of questions around so do you have a boyfriend? Oh, how come we haven't met him yet? Is he Chinese? Like, you know, <laughs> all of those things. And so I'm actually curious from both of you, because you are both married, like your experiences today as either Brian, you now being a parent, but Lucia, you being the giver of these red envelopes from the other side, if your relationship with Lunar New Yeah, how much money changed, do you guys give? What, what kind of bills are you put? Yeah, that there? that too, because that was a big decision for me the first time I had to stuff my own red envelopes. Like, oh, is five enough? Is ten too much? You know, those types of things. I just have to say that my husband. It was probably the saddest day, the the year after we got married, and he no longer gets red envelopes. He was like, "It's the saddest day." <laughs> That's and my like, Xbox fund. <laughs> um, the thing is, like, I, I guess to me, like, I never cared so much for red envelopes because again like I only got them from my parents yeah and it was never a big deal for me plus again it's crazy how much culture and tradition is different between me and my husband's family is he Chinese 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 American what's his kind of journey he's Chinese Canadian so he was born in Hong Kong and then he moved to Canada to Toronto when he was three. So we kind of paralleled path. Like I moved to the States and then he moved to Canada. Um, But I think from Hong Kong, they keep a lot more of their traditions because they didn't have to go through the cultural revolution. So again, I think because my parents went through the cultural revolution, we noticed all of these traditions that happened during a wedding that my parents are just not aware of (laughs) or they don't practice, right? Like even tea ceremonies, they're like kind of like, eh, whatever. But it's really big deal in a canto wedding like in well, a, in a in canto toronto, wedding because right? toronto is like a mat my wife's family they're in like um the suburbs of toronto and i get a more chinatown vibe when i go there versus like new york city chinatown because like oh yeah like centers. markham yeah. yeah markham in toronto is basically china like you can get by <laughs> without speaking english for the rest of your life in markham best chinese food in north america sorry sherry it's not it's not in new york city <laughs> no it's the it's best chinese food like there are certain dim sum places that i would argue is yes. way better than the dim sum that you can find in shanghai probably not hong kong or like guangzhou but definitely like in most of china Um, but the point that I'm trying to get across is that, um, it was really sad in the day when (laughs) my husband didn't get his red envelopes because that was obviously the thing that he's like, looks forward to. We had to give red envelopes. Um, a lot of times like we'll go to this, like one restaurant that his family's really familiar with in Toronto. Um, so we celebrate Lunar New Year at his parents' place since my parents are in China. And so going back there is really tough. Plus, like in China, what happens is people get like seven or 10 days off of work straight. And so a lot of people go home and they celebrate. And it's usually a time to like be with family. And apparently like each day represents something different. So back in the day when it was legal for you to actually set off fireworks on the streets in Shanghai, people would set off fireworks on the third of the first month in the lunar calendar, because it's supposed to be the the day where you invite the god of wealth to come in like and there's certain days where it's like everybody's birthday is on like the seventh day of the the new year 
and then like the last day is uh, Yuan Xiao Jie, which is the ending of the spring festival, and like you usually eat glutinous rice balls and you hang paper lanterns and you can yeah. go guess all these different things on the lanterns. I actually was able to go to this place in Shanghai called Yu Garden and they had like a really nice lantern display and I couldn't guess any of the lanterns because like my Chinese just wasn't good enough. But yeah, those are like really traditional fun things to do. But for my husband's family, we would always go to this like one particular restaurant and his dad would like hand out red envelopes to the the workers there because like they've gone there for like the last 20 years or something. So they know mm. all the workers. And this was the first year that we had to sort of do that. <laughs> and then we also had to, you know, give red envelopes to our friend's kids. And that was really fun. I thought it was kind of cute and super fun. And I forget how much like we would put in the red envelopes. I think for the waiters and like waitresses i think we did like 10 or 20 that's like a tip cad yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. and then for like our friends kids i think we did like 50 dollars or something so oh you're the great you're the house that want to go <laughs> yeah. to for halloween okay you're a sugar mama <laughs> <laughs> well you know it's interesting um, though you said the third day is something about prosperity and wealth because in diwali the third day of diwali is when you do lakshmi puja and lakshmi is the goddess of wealth and so oh. that's actually and I, I don't know, is that a coincidence or is it not? I mean, the Himalayas are kind of in between the cultures, so I don't know. But like... I wonder. Yeah. Yeah, you, you never know. I feel like there's definitely overlap because like a lot of Hinduism and Buddhism also came over to China, right? So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, Brian, I got to ask, so what about you? So while you are Chinese American, your wife, I believe, is Vietnamese German and... That again, Lunar New Year's and other cultures. Have you guys, as you have become adults and kind of reflected on what you did as a kid, kind of compared and contrast like the differences in kind of how you guys celebrated or were raised and frankly, how you're celebrating now with two young kids? Oh, yeah. I mean, I I don't mean to be the Lunar New Year Nazi, uh, but <laughs> <laughs> but when I started dating my wife and you know, my parents are very traditional Chinese people who are like, oh, it's, you know, Chinese New Year. You got to come home and celebrate. Da, 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 da. And my wife would like kind of do the eye roll and go, you know, there's other people that celebrate New Year and you don't own this holiday. It's not so, your holiday, Brian. <laughs> so in Vietnamese culture, it's referred to as Tet. And there are similarities, but from what I understand, there are more differences than similarities, I think. Other than going by the lunar calendar, my wife's family did not, they were not, they, because they have been in Germany for so long, I think they've gotten further and further removed from like making a big deal out of it. So we've never gone to her parents' home or been around her family during a lunar new year. It's always usually been around my family, if anything. But from what I understand, it's much shorter. You know, Lucia referred to the fact that in in Chinese culture, um, I mean, this is more so in China than the U.S. I, I'd love to see Chinese people go. I'm going to take ten days off here, but in, <laughs> in China, it does things do shut down for a couple of weeks. But in Vietnam, it's far from. It's just contained to like a weekend or something, and mm. they don't really do the red envelope thing. But it's the same thing where it's like celebratory around a lot of food, family gathering. You know, some of the foods are similar, but but yeah, it, I think because the spectacle of 
quote unquote Chinese New Year is so grand, right? It, it's like what people. That's why it's kind of a default Lunar New Year term. People refer. Yeah, it's to like it. it's like Thanksgiving, yeah. New Year's, and Christmas all wrapped up. Yeah, yeah, definitely. She's comfortable in it. We follow the traditions more so now. Now that we have our own family, two young daughters, I have not been a good red envelope giver. <laughs> Wait, red envelope giver to your own kids or to the other kids? Like, Lucia? well, to either. I think I've given my nephew a red envelope once. Um, how much? How much did your nephew get? Uh. 20 bucks. All right. All right. You know, was it, was I mean, it all crinkled you know, and wait, like, oh, <laughs> no, you, you have to give Chris bill. That's, that's, that's just yeah. a given. Um, well, he's only six now, but all right, 20 bucks is a lot to a six year old. Yeah, okay. totally. Totally. Right. That's yeah. significant. Yeah. That, that yeah. that's significant. Um, I mean, it's not Lucia's 50 bucks to be clear. So. <laughs> no, Lucia's cool no. Well, and I have to admit, I don't know if this was a case with you guys, but I would get red envelopes as a child, even not on, New Year's like well it's when you it, see the family right after a long yeah. time maybe you could yeah yeah so even like western holidays for Christmas some some relatives would be like ah forget the gifts here's a red yeah. envelope yeah. uh or or like birthdays yeah so it's not just tied to the um New Year I I mean it I don't think in my mind but I mean it is but we've taken it and given it out at other gatherings and stuff so yeah, I plan to, you know, once my kids come of age and my oldest is only three, so I, I will get back into the red envelope giving, I'm sure. And I, I would be remiss to not bring this into the discussion. Now I can't get it out of my mind. How Did you guys watch the Ronnie Chang special? The, yeah. the Netflix special about yeah. um, Asian man destroys Hollywood or something. And so he goes into the whole Gong Shi Fatsai bit where he talks about how if you actually... Uh, literally translate it. It means, you know, I hope you get rich. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. If yep. you guys haven't seen it, you have to watch it. It just so good. We'll put a link in the was, show notes. Yeah, it was so funny. I mean, it's so. I true. know what I'm like, doing tonight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is good, Brian. Not that it's super useful, but I actually really enjoy the WeChat red envelope function. I don't mm. know if you guys have heard of it, but no, it's. What is that? So basically, like you can send red envelopes to your friends and family through WeChat, and the amount you get is random. The PC gets your bank routing number. That's good. That's good. <laughs> is it, yeah, is sure. it kind of like a I gift mean, card, though? Like, how does that actually? It's what are we not. Saying? It's is in it your like WeChat Venmo? balance, and then you can oh. use it. Like, at least that's how I get around China these days. Like, it's, <laughs> it's through WeChat Pay because I couldn't get Alipay when I was in China at the time, but. I could do it through WeChat Pay. And so I would just like pay all the vendors like for all my food and whatnot through WeChat <laughs> Pay. But there's this function on WeChat where you can like send red envelopes to people. And the idea is like you have to go fight for your red envelope. It's like Tiang Hong Pao because everybody gets a different and randomized amount. So my dad would send a home ball like to our family and then we would like go and try to like grab it. Um, and, oh, wait, wait, wait. So like, your dad would authorize like I'm making up 50 bucks to multiple people and that those multiple mm -hmm. people in that group have to fight for the 50? What percentage he, they get of it? 
Yeah, exactly. And so sometimes you end up with like 43 cents and then other people end up with like $43. How do you, how do you fight though? How do you fight? Like, is it like an online game or something? It's just random. It's just random. It's, it's like a, it's like a little, like it's super random. It's all luck based, but inevitably my mom always gets more money than me. So like whenever we go and like do it, my dad will like send, let's say a hundred RMB, which is like equivalent to like $10. And like whenever we go and try to fetch the money, like I would end up with like 50 cents and my mom would end up with like $99. But, but hang on, unmarried people aren't eligible for the money, I thought. So we chat circum or but it's your dad circumventing that because he's sending it to the family. Got it. Okay. Yeah, my again, cultural revolution. I don't think they care. <laughs> Money's money. Well, my my wife's uh, eldest brother, um, he's in Arizona, and so yeah, he just Venmoed me like fifty bucks and was like, "This is for your daughter." I'm like, "Okay." Nice. <laughs> I love nice. that. So 2022. So then, do you then have to take a fifty dollar bill? and put it into an actual red envelope to give it to your daughter, Roman? Or are you just like, like, do you just keep it in your mind? <laughs> yes, like- I totally did that. No, you know, actually, anytime um, family sends money on the Indian side or the Chinese side, you know, we print it out or we show it to our daughter. And then we're like, we're putting this in your balance for your thing. You know, it's, uh, yeah, she, she has two piggy banks, the really nice piggy bank with like the, with literally has the red envelopes or the, the clear checks or the cash amounts. And then she has a little one she puts pennies in. So well, I'm just waiting for cryptocurrency red envelopes. Yes. <laughs> I think this is the year. A blockchain in the family that everyone can fight over. Yeah. Brian, yeah. the only crypto I can afford is doggy coin. How much doggy coin do you want? <laughs> <laughs> One day this is going to happen. <laughs> I, I guarantee it already has or it already yeah, is. We're just not totally. we're too old to understand. I think. I think this is the year. I, I will. Is I'm this gonna... our bl- is this our new business plan, guys? Like it, red, <laughs> red envelope, envelope NFTs, crypto, red envelopes. Yes, yes. <laughs> so, Lucia, you've had your feet in both sides of this, right? Like over there, mm-hmm. over here. Brian, mm-hmm. what about you? Because you're immersed in the entertainment side of the culture as well as the personal and professional side. Like, do you see differences in the way people are observing or celebrating, or even in the media? talking about the lunar near yeah well i've spent a good deal of time in china i actually had worked there on and off for about 10 years you know i had just this back in 2008 right after that brian knows chinese new year better than i do in china well he's partied with like the celebrities (laughs) during chinese new year no 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 that's not true that's not true in fact actually every time new year's would come around in china people skedaddle right they just mm, go back home they go back to their villages they the, the, mm-hmm. the foreigner it the really expat, has the thanksgiving kind of effect right oh yeah the expats go back to their countries and so i was the same i, I would actually come back to the united states around the holidays because it everything just shut down it, it literally just the whole country goes kaput for two weeks but I, I see how obviously it's such a big 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 deal out there because it's the one holiday every year where you really get a a good chunk of time to go and to be with your family. In fact, I think, um, if I'm not mistaken, Lucia, do you know this to be true? Like people actually have to work leading up to the holiday to make up for the holiday. Yes. So when I was in Shanghai for high school, we actually did seven days of school leading up to Chinese New Year so that 
you tack on like two extra days or something like for your holiday. And I think that's like pretty typical for work as well. Like you work Mm -hmm. like either six or seven days prior to New Year's. That's right. Yeah. All my friends who had like these nine to five office jobs were like, I got to work the the, like two consecutive weekends leading up to New Year because we we have to make up for the days we're going to get off. It's, so it's like you get the holiday, but you're actually kind of not, you know, like your mind would explode if you're a Westerner trying to yeah. Yeah, for the first time yeah. get this concept. Um, I was going to say something really racist, but I'm not going to say it. Oh. <laughs> you kind of have to say it now, Sharon. You kind of have to say it now. I was just going to say that's so Chinese. <laughs> I mean, but it is. It is. You're, right? you're allowed to say it. You're allowed to say yeah. it. I'm not. Yeah. I'm not. Well, yeah, Sharon, you're allowed to say it. You're Chinese. But they do the same thing for National Day for October 1st, Mm -hmm. which is like the Communist National Day. Like they do the same thing. So like I think you get five days off or six days off or something for October 1st to celebrate. And usually people call it like the golden vacation time, like it's like golden weekend, golden whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, And you have to like usually like – do six days of like work or six days of school prior leading up to that and and then get the time off well so i I gotta ask kind of an american question so the way we've americanized christmas even thanksgiving i thought thanksgiving was the one holiday we would never commercialize but it's like black friday right so there's like a very american commercial element to the big holidays does that exist is there like a mattress sale for lunar new year (laughs) (laughs) or something um Actually, I don't, Lucia, you probably know this better than I, because I just think of the Singles Day holiday that has become a thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. 11-11. Yeah, yeah, but that's like the Black Friday equivalent. But it's so around the holiday, around New Year's, though, do they capitalize on sales? Well, everything's supposed to be new, right? So if I were, if I sold mattresses in China, I'd be like, hey, hey, it's Lunar New Year. (laughs) Everyone needs a new mattress. Bye, bye, bye. There's definitely like you buy new clothes. So there's a tradition to one, wear red, and then two, buy new clothes. But it doesn't feel hyper-commercialized. You also Mm. like go and you eat at home. So here's like a tradition that my husband's family has that we don't have. And I think it's because of the language difference. But during the first day of the new year, we would always eat a meal with specific ingredients in it. So there's always oysters because it sounds like good things, like shi. So like it, it sounds like shi, like good things. There's always shrimp, which is xia or like uh, ha. So it's like siu ha ha. So it's, it's like smile and like be happy. There's like a ton of other different types of like dishes where they're kind of homonyms to like good fortune and like things that are good for the new year. And those are things that we always eat. <laughs> so whenever I go to my husband's family's place, like those are things that we always eat. There's a tradition that I think cuts across both like, I think most Chinese cultures is to never finish the fish for Lunar New Year dinner. And it means that like to have extra fish, like fish uh, in Chinese sounds like extra, like mm-hmm, yu, mm-hmm, it sounds mm-hmm. like extra. So when you save the fish, it's nian nian you yu, as in every year you have extra. And because like traditionally the Lunar New Year or like spring festival, like Chinese people call it the spring festival, chun jie, the 
impetus is you want to celebrate the spring. So in the fall, you have a good harvest. And so the idea is you want to have extra for the year, hmm. like always. Hmm. Right? Nice. That's interesting because I think like for, and maybe every family has their own traditions as well, but a lot of those dishes are ones that I grew up with, but we've never left fish over. Like we've never, I don't think we've <laughs> oh, ever, yeah? yeah, I don't think Me we've neither. ever left food on the table. <laughs> this is Wait, isn't the, the, eye, the head is good luck, but the eye is like extra good luck, right? Or was my family uh, just messing with You're me? just not supposed to, at least, okay, in my family, it's like, you're not supposed to finish the fish. So we always leave the fish. <laughs> you always, and you're not Which supposed to flip the fish. Got it. You're not supposed to flip the fish. Yes, that I know. And that's why in Chinese restaurants, the waiter comes out and he debones it for you. Like you're not yeah. supposed to flip it over to, to, to that's really interesting. I'm going to start leaving fish on the table. <laughs> if my life changes. <laughs> So you guys, I think we've covered so many things. It's so interesting, right? Because we did this last year as well. And I think with every group of people, it's similar traditions, but celebrated in such different ways. And it was just so interesting to hear yours. And so now, if you guys are ready for it, we're going to a very special Lunar New Year speed round. You guys ready? Yes. Bring it on. Let's go. <laughs> All right, here we go. What is one piece of pop culture, a book, a movie, a TV show, that folks should check out with their families to get a better feel for the Lunar New Year culture. I am going to go with the the classic book that was converted into a movie called The Joy Luck Club. You guys have probably mm, yeah. heard of it. Um, yeah. That's the scene where, if you guys remember, when the family comes together, the, 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 the daughters and mothers and their extended families all gather to, to in the kitchen and they're cooking and then they eat. It's so, I thought it was just so well done and such a good portrayal of like what it, the dynamic of a, a busy Chinese household feels like it, during the Lunar New Year. And then especially mm -hmm. when you, in America, when you bring in like non-Chinese people to the setting. So if, if you recall, one of the daughters married a, a white guy. And he sat down at dinner and he was like, oh, this just needs a little more soy sauce, right? That kind of thing. Like, I thought they they handled it really well in terms of like, at least like kind of giving a glimpse of what it's like for a Western audience. Because the, the other thing was when the daughters are in the kitchen, because it's very hectic during Lunar New Year. You know, it's a time of celebration. But of course, when family comes together, just like Thanksgiving, there's a lot of headbutting, right? And just yeah. tensions rising because everyone has their own opinion. So they handled it well. And if people haven't watched that film yet and wanted to get a little bit more of an understanding of what it's like for this holiday, that's something people should go back to. I hear the extras in that film are really good as well. So. <laughs> I was trying not to say that. <laughs> There's that too. There's that too. Uh, <laughs> nice memory. What minute, nice. What, what minute and what second can they maybe catch an extra that could be you? <laughs> well, it wasn't that scene. It is <laughs> any scene that Russell Wong was in. If you all remember the 90s heartthrob for our community. Uh, yeah. I was sort of in the background of wherever he was. Was he a heartthrob? Sharon, Lucia, did you have posters of this guy? He was definitely a big name. He's actually, it was interesting. He used to live around Chinatown. So I used to see him every now oh, and then. Whenever right. he walked by, I'd be like, ooh, there goes Russell Wong. So yes, I guess that would qualify. <laughs> Lucia, Lucia, what about you? Uh, are there any like uh, books, movies, TV shows that folks should check out to kind of get a feel for what it's really like? 
Oh, I thought you were going to ask me the heartthrob question and I would be like, I'm so embarrassed, but like, <laughs> I didn't like You can like answer that any... one instead if you want. You could probably answer both <laughs> questions with that answer. My heart, my Chinese heartthrob is Andy Lau. <laughs> I'm watching all his movies <laughs> and Stephen Chow. There's like the two. What, are, like, what, are, the, what are the movies? What are the movies we should check out with those two beautiful men? uh oh there's okay i'm gonna say two shows two movies there's uh one that's like if you're into like stephen chow movies that are kind of like funny and a little bizarre and nonsensical and silly and there's a new year's movie that people in hong kong watch called liku liku and it's all about mahjong (laughs) and like how andy lao is like this mahjong master and it makes no sense, but it's definitely a, a movie that a lot of like Chinese people watch in the new year. It has nothing to do with Asian Americans. It has nothing to do with, honestly, new year. But it's like kind of one of those like, it's almost like a Christmas movie, you know? And the second one, if you are really into like getting to know Chinese culture and what is popular or is interesting for the year there's this chinese new year show it's called like the cctv new year's gala in chinese it's uh, and people like shorten it to call it it's like basically the spring uh, festival evening and mm. it's this like sort of variety show or like gala show where like there's like skits and there's like singing and there's dancing and there's performances and there's like all these different things that kind of showcase people from around China. Hmm. And you get to see how diverse different Chinese like there's like, you know, I don't think people know this, but there's like 57 minority groups within China and they all celebrate differently and they all speak different languages and all these different things. And you get to really see a very colorful version of China. Some of it gets kind of weird, but then other parts are are pretty fun. That's awesome. We'll have to find a link and put it in the show notes. What yeah. about mom dishes? What is your favorite Lunar New Year mom dish, Lucia? You know, it's been a really long time since my mom has cooked me Lunar New Year dinner. <laughs> we usually go out to eat. What do you guys and order? I would have to say my favorite to eat for Lunar New Year is probably the Alaskan king crab. It is freaking phenomenal. Ooh. And like they cook it in three different ways. They first like steam the the legs and it's just like it's really tender and it's very flavorful. And then they do with the body, they uh how do they cook it? It's like with a salted egg yolk batter and they like fry it and it's just insane. It's so good. Brian, what about you? What's your Lunar New Year mom dish or thing that you let your mom order for takeout? <laughs> <laughs> oh no, my family would, would just as soon not eat the order for New Year's. They are big cookers. Uh, we always have large family gatherings. My family, my extended family all pretty much lives in the Bay area. So it's very easy for like four households to just gather, although we haven't done that in the last couple of years due to restrictions. You know that every dish that comes out represents something, right? And yeah. it usually is just wealth <laughs> or being prosperous. It's kind of all the same things. So my parents really abide to that. So there's the fish, the dumplings, the longevity noodles, right? That always come out at the end. And there's definitely a few other things, but my favorite always was 
the, I guess the only way to, well, niangao, which is the dessert. Mm, rice cake. Um, yeah. 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 Glutinous rice cakes. I hate that word. Glutinous is just not very pleasing to the ears, but glutinous <laughs> rice cakes, which was always a favorite, probably because again, as a child, you know, I associate like getting money and like, you, you and gotta, the, what, what is it? Like, what is it? Is it, it sounds it's sweet. Like mochi. Yeah. It's like, it's like yeah. yeah. Okay. There's like sweet and uh, savory versions of it. It's right. like mochi. So it's, it's yeah. mochi on the outside, but it does it the thing that has like the rice bean stuff in the center or is that different? So you're thinking of the dessert version, Remen. Ah, yeah. You're thinking of like, this is the entree mo- style, like, Brian. Yeah. Oh. So think of it as like, it's almost like, I'd compare it to like gnocchi a little bit. It's almost like a pasta mm-hmm. consistency and mm-hmm. they make it like they would make it with the similar ingredients that you would have with like lo mein, right? Huh. But like instead of that, you'd have it with this form of glutinous rice pasta. <laughs> but there's also like the sweet version, right? I think which right. is what Brian, you what were runs- saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, my family would have both, maybe not every year, but I remember having the savory as an entree and then the, the sweet. And my childhood, I have fond memories of the sweet one because again, kids love dessert and whenever this would come out, it was like, oh, you know, like I think this, that, and also there, there was Tang Yuan, which was the sweet mm. rice balls. Yeah. So it was yeah. sort of similar texture, consistency. And inside of that, you'd have this black sesame uh, filling. So good. Yeah. So, so yeah, I so always good. loved when those dishes came out at the end. Desserts. Yes. Did you guys do like the rice wine version of oh, the yeah. rice balls? Yes. Like yeah. the Jiu Yang, yeah. right? Yes. Mm-hmm. That's my favorite. Yeah. Mm, yeah. So good. Because it's the extra oomph. Yeah. <laughs> so we're running out of time, but I got to ask a follow up question to this the mom dish question. What's your least favorite kind of Chinese food? I mean, yo, if you, if you put in front of me the Ku Gua, the bitter melon. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> bitter melon is always I, polarizing in any culture. Uh, no, no, I yeah, and I'm on the side of whatever is anti. So yeah, no Dude, thanks, Brian. We just had bitter melon yesterday. Oh, why? Why? Like you wanted to? <laughs> it's good for you. It's pretty good. Actually, my husband likes the taste of it. <laughs> He's a uh, weirdo. <laughs> no, no, I. No. I I don't feel like there's anything I don't like to eat. Oh, Maybe such a bullshit answer. Like, <laughs> there's like, got to be something. Yeah. Um, maybe like bad bland Chinese food, <laughs> <laughs> or how about like how about like weird like weird parts like chicken feet or like I'll eat things that. like that. Ooh, I yeah. eat everything. Yeah, and my my husband's from Hong Kong. He eats everything. Like everything. <laughs> One of America's <laughs> top exports to China actually is chicken feet. I don't know if you guys knew that. America's this top isn't... exports to China. Wow. Really? That's huh. Yeah, think about it. Because we yeah. Americans don't yeah, want it. Yeah, we don't eat it. Chinese don't eat it. it. Yeah. It's exactly. so good. And it has lots of collagen. Um, but the here's a funny story I'll end with. My husband and I went to the Museum of Natural History. 
And there's this evolution of different types of crustaceans on the wall, right? And like different types of like, you know, it's like from lobster to crab and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and I looked up at it and we were comparing how many of them we've eaten. And we're just like, this is the seafood section of the National Museum of History. <laughs> that is so Chinese. It's so Chinese. You're so Chinese. On that, but, but on a related note, I guess to close... <laughs> This has been a lot of fun. <laughs> what does Lunar Nears mean for you as a modern minority? I feel like it's a way to share and appreciate culture and learn new things. Even with Lunar New Year and, you know, something that I feel like I've celebrated for all of my life, I keep learning new things, right? Like I learn about other cultures and how they celebrate or how my family celebrates differently from my husband's family who celebrates differently from, you know, Brian, your family, and who might celebrate very differently from Shannon, your family. So it's kind of cool to be able to see how different people celebrate the same holiday and be able to really learn from each other and appreciate just how vast and diverse this culture is. Brian, what about you? Yeah, I, I think echoing those sentiments, growing up as a young kid in Northern California and almost being, I guess, hesitant, embarrassed, or whatever the right word might be in terms of like not celebrating openly this important holiday to my family and my culture, to seeing it today where it is embraced and quite literally the law to honor it in certain states has really been encouraging and I think meaningful to because as I am now a parent of two and wanting to preserve this holiday, this tradition and passing it on and and now looking back, I wish as a kid I knew what I knew now, but hindsight's always twenty twenty. Hopefully my children won't grow up with the same sort of like double life where, where we can celebrate this openly. We can share it with other cultures. We can share it with the people around us here. And so I just think it's great that the more people understand that we all celebrate something differently and they hold different meanings for us, but that is important. And we honor and respect and cherish that, you know, that's what it's all about in these modern times as a modern minority. Well, guys, thank you so much for educating all of us, including myself, on and me. Who, the, yeah, <laughs> who the cheapest person is. Like, that, that's really what this is all about, <laughs> to figure out whose house yeah, we're visiting and not visiting. For I know where year. we're going for Chinese New Year this year. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not to Brian's house. <laughs> no. No, sincerely, no, guys, it's uh, it, part of the beauty of this podcast and this project has been making friends like you guys. And get ready for my butchering, but I wish you guys and everyone else uh fa choy. That wasn't bad. Thank you. 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 Thank now more than ever, people need to be hearing these stories. Please share our show with a friend or three. Want to learn more or got something to share? Visit modmypod.com or email us, hi mom, at modmypod.com. You can also follow us on Instagram and Twitter at modminpod. We'd love to hear from you. That's it for now. I've been Raman Segel. And I'm still Sharon Lee Tony. Remember, we're all modern minorities out there. We'll talk to you soon. 
headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com